0: Too young, too old, too slow, too short. We're bringing you the truth about some national misconceptions about every NFL team coming up next. Welcome into another episode of the Locked On Ultimate NFL Preview. I'm Kainani Stevens. This is a seven-part episode series detailing the biggest questions, misconceptions, and storylines from all eight divisions. You'll get insight and analysis from our local Locked On experts that know these teams better than anybody else you'll also get the perspective nationally and from within the division about your team and your favorite players you can find all seven episodes on locked on nfl's youtube page or wherever you get your podcasts from the ultimate nfl preview is brought to you by prize picks go to prizepicks.com locked on nfl and use code locked on nfl for a first deposit match of up to a hundred dollars our Locked On hosts cover their nfl teams every day and sometimes the national media can grab onto a storyline That can be a misconception. Our NFL hosts are here to tell you the truth and air their frustrations. There's been a ton of conversation this offseason around the AFC East. Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins, Joe Marino of Locked On Bills, Mike DeBate from Locked On Patriots, and John Butchko from Locked On Jets are here. Kyle, we will start with you. What's one of the biggest misconceptions about the Miami Dolphins?
1: Yeah, I I think it's that this Miami Dolphins offense comes down to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and nothing else. When you think about Mike McDaniel and his background as the run game coordinator for Kyle Shanahan and stops in San Francisco and 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 being with Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta and Cleveland and Washington and all the places that they've been. And uh this Dolphins team actually could run the ball reasonably well last year. They just didn't have the proper level of commitment to it. And then they go out and they add a Familiar face in the AFC East and Isaiah Wynn, who is currently in a battle right now for the starting left guard position for the dolphins is a little bit of a position change for him. But I think based off what we've seen in training camp it would be a dramatic upgrade over what they had last year in late Liam Eikenberg and bringing back Raheem Mostert and bringing back Jeff Wilson, who they acquired at the trade deadline last year, and then drafting Devon A. Chain in the third round, Mike McDaniels apparently had over heels over this dude. So uh, these rushing offenses Traditionally, there has been a pretty significant jump in production in the rushing offense in the Shanahan tree from year one to year two. And the Dolphins showcase the ability to run the football pretty darn well. I I know down the stretch, uh, that game in Buffalo stands out as a really good example of that, uh, where when they went to Buffalo in week 15 in primetime, they tagged the Bills for quite a bit of yardage. uh, And they just got into some of these late game situations and Mike McDaniel is a first time head coach wanted to make sure he got the ball into his hands of his best players. But if defenses are taking that away, that's a lesson you're anticipating that he will have learned. So yes, the best players on the dolphins offense are Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle, but I'm expecting an increase in the production, the frequency and the productivity of the dolphins rushing offense to be a little bit more balanced this year.
0: Joe, what's the misconception people have about the Bills that isn't correct? Is it all the drama on the offense? Is that actually true? Is it something else? What do you think is the biggest misconception?
2: How much time do we have? I, I feel like there's so many different directions. Like, I can go with this. And, and I mean, I think the dig stuff is is well behind them at this point in time. I mean, he's he's been extremely competitive and has had a great camp. And him and Josh Allen are doing their normal things that they normally do. But I think if I were able to boil it all down to one narrative that I think is just really misguided, it's that this bill's window to win is diminishing. I've heard for three, four years now in a row that the bills have wasted their best ever roster that they'll ever be able to put around Josh Allen. And objectively that just hasn't been true year over year. It's not true again this year. And I think that there's this uh, lack of understanding and how salary cap works and the opportunities that you have to manipulate cap and, how the Bills have been willing to pull the appropriate levers to not only position themselves to have a lot of expensive players, but to continue to have expensive players and add to the roster. They've done it year over year. There's no reason that that's not going to continue. Bean, Brandon Bean, has been very careful about contract structures and when different cap hits hit. And um, there's there's really no concern about the nucleus of this team not staying intact for a long time to come. And so I think this uh, this thought that the window is closing, I think, is absolutely wrong.
0: Mike, what's a misconception about the Patriots right now? Because people have a lot of thoughts about a lot of things. So I'm curious what you think is the biggest problem that people are talking about.
3: Uh, that the Patriots are a five or below win team. Uh, and I've seen that quite often in the national media. To be honest, guy, I've seen it a lot in the local media, too. I know a lot of people are looking at this team, they're looking at the division, they're looking at the AFC, and they're just not seeing the same talent level. But again, I think it comes back to Bill Belichick always giving his team a puncher's chance. And I can tell you that the defense that the Patriots have fielded or will field in 2023 will keep them in most of the games that they're going to play this year. Are they going to win them all? No but it will keep them in there and it will keep them competitive. And their offense will be better than it was in 2022. They really didn't have anywhere to go but up, but the Bill O'Brien factor of him coming over – from alabama reinstalling the type of offense that mac jones is designed to run which is predicated on vertical routes quick release get the ball to only where the receiver can find it and then give your receiver a chance to get yards after the catch we're seeing that a lot in training camp right now i expect that to continue into the preseason And with the Patriots getting a little bit better at scoring points, it's going to give their defense a chance to win games that the Patriots just didn't have a chance to win last year. So while I don't expect them to be a playoff team, they're better than some people are giving them credit for. This is definitely better than a five-win team. They're not a bottom-of-the-barrel team in the AFC by any stretch of the imagination.
0: John, your team has a lot of hype around it this year, so I imagine you have a lot of things to pick from, but what do you think is the biggest misconception people have about the Jets right now?
4: Well, I say this jokingly, but only somewhat jokingly, that the the, the Jets are not actually a one-man team, that there's actually more talent on this team than just Aaron Rodgers. Uh, last year, the Jets actually had both defensive and, rookie, and defensive rookies of the year, and that is only the third time it's ever happened that one team had the rookie of the year on both offense and defense, Sauce Gardner, absolute shutdown corner on the offensive side of the ball. Garrett Wilson, who worked around some issues in the passing game to post 1,100 yards. And I'll even go one step further. The Jets had a running back, Brees Hall, who got injured around the midway point of the season. And I think he was actually on track to win Offensive Rookie of the Year before he suffered a serious knee injury. Going a little bit deeper, I think there's a perception that this team will go as far as Aaron Rodgers will take it. I actually would argue that this team will go as far as the defense will take it. If you look at where the talent lies on this team, there's more talent on defense than there is on offense. Last year, the Jets finished around top five in most of the major statistical rankings. A lot of impact talent. Quinton Williams had the best year of his career. He was named first-team All-Pro. Sauce Gardner, first-team All-Pro as a rookie. Lots of good supporting players. DJ Reed, one of the best number two corners in the league. A very deep and talented defensive line. Aaron Rodgers is here because the Jets got nothing from their quarterback position a year ago. They had last year a Super Bowl caliber defense, or if you don't believe that, at least a playoff caliber defense. They missed the playoffs last year because they got nothing from their passing game. So I don't think expectations for Aaron Rodgers are necessarily that he needs to play at the at his peak level. I don't think you need to see prime Aaron Rodgers. You just need to see a guy. Now, you don't you need to be better than average you need to be well above average you need Aaron Rodgers to be a top 10 quarterback but I think this team's going to rely more on its defense than it will its offense and I think that would surprise a lot of people
0: Aaron Rodgers may have also impacted the misconceptions around the NFC North a division he's not even in anymore Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers Matt Derry of Locked On Lions Lauren Cox of Locked On Bears and Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings are here Lauren what's the national perspective on the Bears that you don't agree with
5: yeah, there's this gas bag over at Lockdown Lions who said that Justin Fields is just a runner who doesn't throw. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, of one of these episodes. And uh no, it, it's weird with Justin Fields because you've got the you've got the complete opposite sides of the spectrum. You got Matt Deary over there calling him Hall of Fields and that he's way overrated and not a believer, and then you've got like the Dan Orlovskis of the world saying Justin Fields is going to play MVP caliber football this season, and it feels like you're getting national assumptions on both sides and they're probably both wrong. Like, like in the middle. It's like, no, he's not just a runner. He has some plus throwing ability and some playmaking downfield. He was particularly accurate throwing, you know, the deep ball last season to receivers that were not, were not worthy of as many deep balls as he threw to them. And certainly there was, you know, there's a lot of extenuating circumstances there, but like he'll be better than just the running quarterback, but we also shouldn't get carried away and say he's the MVP or the hall of fame style of like Jalen Hurts level ascension to that leap either like there's there's comfortably a middle ground here where giving him a much better cast of receivers a better offensive line and perhaps a better defense as well can put him in a position to have more success have less on his shoulders have to be less of the giant playmaker and maybe, maybe win some more games too even when he's scoring 30 points because the defense can can carry some of the load too so I think it, it, the assumption is wrong that that Fields is just a runner but the assumption is also wrong that he's going to be MVP Jalen Hurts too
0: Luke, what's something you've heard lately that you wanna clear up that is completely wrong?
6: Yeah, I think everybody is talking about the Vikings defense as this doomed unit. Um, And Peter was talking about it in another episode. And it's a perfectly reasonable assumption because you look at what they did last year. Okay, they were the second to last last year and they replaced Eric Kendricks with some kid I've never heard of and Marcus Davenport replaces Adarius Smith. Okay, that's going to be bad. But you got to understand that they aren't going to do the same things with these guys at all. They did not blitz last year. They just didn't. They had Harrison Smith, the Neil Hunter, Eric Kendricks, Jordan Hicks, Adarius, like all of these people, nobody, they didn't blitz. And the f- folks responsible for that have been sacked. Uh, but... Now they're going to live in the blitz. We see in, at least in camp settings, we see Harrison Smith in the backfield every play. We see the offense literally like not allowed to practice because of how often somebody, somebody has a free runner in the backfield. We've seen Flores do this with way worse rosters out in Miami. Um, this, is, uh, this defense is so different. Is that going to be better than second to last? Hey, look, defense very famously regresses, especially Peter's favorite stat, defensive DVOA. Tell me the year to year correlation on that Uh, defense famously regresses to the mean, and that is not a passive process. That's because when your defense is bad, you change stuff about it. Everybody does it. And the Vikings are no exception. Matt,
0: have you heard anything lately that you want to sound off on nationally? That is an assumption you don't agree with.
7: You know, I, I want to go back to most of the offseason and even before the draft and the six magic words uttered by many, including uh the name that rhymes with psych Borio, which is Jared Goff is a bridge quarterback. Uh, he's not. He's not going anywhere. Um, He's going to be here. I, I think the assumption that, oh, the Lions, you know, when they were drafting six, they might take a quarterback. Maybe the Maybe they'll get uh, to, you know Anthony Richardson if he falls, and then it was if Tom Brady comes out of retirement, the Lions should call. He went to Michigan. I mean, just stupid. He's not going anywhere. Yes, they drafted Hendon Hooker believer, and <laughs> they drafted Hendon. Hinden- Let me finish. They went to Hendon <laughs> and they got him. In the th- I'm on a roll here, Luke. They got him in the third round, but he's got a older than Jared He's going to redshirt. He will not play. So I think the notion that Golf is just this bridge guy is is wrong, and I like, think he's going to be around for a while.
5: He's not the bridge guy. They went out and got bridge water. Literally, they got the bridge already. Yeah,
8: that's there you the go. bridge guy.
7: Take it to the bridge.
0: <laughs> All right, Peter, tell us something about the Packers we don't know right now.
9: I, I have heard a lot of assumptions about the way that this Packers offense is going to play. A lot of people think this is going to be th- this. They're going to lean on the running game. And that was what we heard last year. And, and what it turned out was, you know, they they ran the ball a little more than you would expect in, in neutral situations. But – not that much. And I think this team is still going to throw the ball a lot. You're going to see the way that they throw be a little bit different. It's going to be more under center, more play action, more boots, more rolls, more different kinds of things that that does not look like what Aaron Rodgers did. But this idea that they're going to become some like Baltimore Ravens or, or Kyle Shanahan running 65% of the time, that's just not going to happen. That's not what this offense is going to look like. That's not why they drafted Jordan Love. Um, we may see Jordan Love use his legs a little bit more, some some zone read, some design quarterback runs. We saw that in the preseason last year with Jordan Love. But this idea that they're going to become some some very different kind of, uh, of offense in terms of run-pass splits, I just don't think that that's going to happen, even with some of the additions that they made. Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft. The Packers played as much 12 personnel last year with two tight ends on the field as any team in the league. They still threw the ball a ton, and they're going to do it again this year. What
6: if I think that's what they should do?
9: It feels like the run, best they should run of
6: the ball Packers. more. Or they should throw it more. They should. I, the, I feel like the best version of the Packers is twelve personnel pound you in
9: the mouth football, kind of like what the Lions are doing. Well, I think they will do that. I think you're going to see more under center runs, less shotgun runs, which is what they want. What Aaron Rodgers wanted to live in the gun. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Jordan Love is going to exert that same sort of preference to Matt Lafleur. So they 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 adapted their offense. The cool thing for the Packers this year is. They adapted a lot of things for Aaron Rodgers that they now can use for Jordan Love if they want, and they also have this whole other section of their playbook that was like the restriction section at Hogwarts that they don't have to worry about like getting adult permission to run the offense that they want to run. They can actually just go do it.
0: Moving to the AFC West on assumptions around the division, joined by your boy Q of Locked On Raiders, Cody Rourke of Locked On Broncos, Ryan Tracy from Locked On Chiefs, and Daniel Wade of Locked On Chargers. Cody, what's a misconception about the Broncos?
6: Well, I mean, we heard it all last year. We heard in the offseason, Russell Wilson is washed. And I can tell you this, being there in person every day, watching Russ, watching him work with Sean Payton inside the offense, I'm seeing a lot of the old Russell Wilson that I saw. And, And when he came to Denver last year, In training camp, I left a lot of practices thinking to myself, hey, is Russell Wilson that bad or is the defense that good? Russell Wilson has changed his game. He's taken his offseason preparation to the next level. I think we're going to see it on the field with how he uses his legs a little bit more, throwing standpoint. I expect Russell Wilson to be significantly better. He looks already miles better than he did at all throughout the entire regular season last year. So for me, the narrative that is wrong, the assumption that is wrong from a national or even fan perspective that Russell Wilson is washed, I simply disagree with it.
0: Ryan, there's always people talking about the champs. What have you heard about the Chiefs uh, lately that you just don't agree with?
10: You know, there's this, this concept that it's just a, a walk in the park. It's all done with, uh, while I'd love to enjoy that, The case is just not reality. At the end of the day, pass rush was a big question last year that they were able to answer the call with. The -hmm. situation with Chris Jones is a lot worse than people want to recognize nationally. It has gone through three different milestones where we all expected, everybody on the beat expected this to get done. It has to be copacetic eventually, but in the meantime, you're talking about a team that has to surround their pass rush attitude around him, and they're not able to do it currently. They are searching for who could be the next cornerstone to try to get after the rest of the offenses in this division and the entire league. So it isn't quite just the cakewalk that everybody wants to make it. If the Chiefs are able to get back to this Super Bowl again, it will be because they earned it and they worked through some adversity, and that's probably more than I think the national media sees.
0: Q, you're around the Raiders. What have you heard that either from the fans or nationally that you think is off base?
11: I just think the assumption that the Raiders roster has not improved is really far off. And I know it's easy to see that from a distance or think that from a distance because they didn't go out and make any big splash plays. Like Cody mentioned, Frank Clark is now in Denver. The Raiders didn't make any kind of moves like that where there's any big names. Like last season, they acquired Devontae Adams. They signed Chandler Jones. Those are big names. This year they went and got Robert Spillane and Marcus Epps and, you know, Jacoby Myers. And, you know, they added guys like that. And in the draft they didn't go and get C.J. Stroud or trade up for Bryce Young, right? They got Aiden O'Connell and they got Bryce – or they got uh, uh, Byron Young, excuse me. And, they you know, guys like that. They didn't get anybody with some big names where everyone's like, whoa, hey, what are the Raiders doing over there? So the assumption from a distance is that the roster is not very good when, in my opinion, it's very much the opposite. The guys that they went out and got are one – pretty young guys that have an opportunity to to show what they can be. And like a guy in Marcus S for example, comes over from the uh, team in Philadelphia who went to the super bowl. They obviously lost to Ryan's uh, chiefs, you know, and, and, but he played every snap defensively and he has a lot of experience and he can help a young safety like a Trayvon Merrick be a pro and live up to what he was supposed to be when they drafted him in the second round. And, you know, Robert Spillane the guy comes over from Pittsburgh. He's got some defensive pedigree to him and, you know, there's just there's guys that I feel like are difference makers that aren't really even being talked about. Like Marcus Peters. I mean, we know he's not Marcus Peters that he was when he was in Kansas City or the Rams or even Baltimore. But he just brings some experience and some swagger to the team where now you see guys going after the ball and you see guys being more comfortable attacking the ball. And it's just – it's, it's funny because, again, there's nothing sexy about this roster. I'll be the first to tell you that. I mean, the probably the sexiest part of the roster is the, the national narrative on Jimmy Garoppolo, right? It's just that he's the best-looking dude in the league, which is fine. But, <laughs> but, but I mean, seriously, the, the roster, I believe, is a lot more improved, and it's going to give Josh McDaniels an opportunity and Patrick Graham an opportunity to make this team what they want it to be, a team that can go play fast and, and play strong but they're, they're just doing it in their, their own way. And, again, there's no big household names that anyone's thinking about outside the, the usual suspects like the Crosbys and the Adams and, and Chandler Jones.
0: Daniel, what have you heard about the Chargers that you think you want to clear up or just isn't correct?
12: I mean, there's a few things I think that are always associated with the Chargers that we're just not going to know for a while. Like, they're always a dark horse on paper team, right? It's something I always said about this team, and then they always kind of underachieve. I can't prove that they're not going to underachieve this year. We have to kind of see it play out. I would say if I was looking for something that is super polarizing, I'd say that I don't think Brandon Staley is a terrible head coach. I mean, I think there's a lot of people around the league that do. I think that I've been able, obviously – to be able to go to practice and see it up close and kind of see the differences within the organization, see how the players interact with them and kind of see how the culture has been shifting over the last couple of years. I still think he knows how to make a defensive game plan, even though the defense has been terrible. You see, you know what he's trying to go for and it just hasn't really played out. They have a new defensive coordinator and Derek Ansley, but like if you're looking at how he manages games at the end of the games, uh, let's take away the, you know, the 2021 Raiders, Chargers game look at last year, but he's actually been very good as far as like expected points added because of the way he manages the end of games, how he uses his timeouts, how he uses his challenges and things like that. And even going forward on fourth down, even though he wasn't as aggressive as aggressive last year, he's made a lot of the right moves. So I think when you have a quarterback like Justin Herbert, you're going to be held to a really high standard. But he took a really, really banged up team last year that had worse players on it than the 2021 season. And he made that team 10-7 and 7 without his starting left tackle, without his best pass rusher, and without his best receiver for most of the season. So I don't know if he gets enough credit for taking the team he did last year to the playoffs.
0: Coming up, our hosts continue to debunk national misconceptions, including more disrespect for Dak Prescott. That's next on the Locked On Ultimate NFL Preview. We all have our own shaving needs, but no matter why you shave, Harry's has you covered with the best shave of your life at a price That you'll love from their legendary high quality razors to skin products like exfoliating face wash and hydrating lotion harry's gives you a premium shave without the premium price tag get better quality at a better price than other razors when you get harry's delivered right to your door a smooth shave shouldn't be rough on your wallet the starter set is 13 dollars value for just three dollars at harrys.com nfl it includes a five blade german engineered razor weight handled Foaming shave gel and a travel cover. Scheduled delivery for refills as low as two dollars, half of what you'd pay for other blades. There's no reason not to try Harry's. Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, and they're still offering a no-risk trial. So if you don't like their shave, no worries, it's on them. Get the best shave you've ever had this summer with Harry's razors and skincare products. Get a $13 starter set for just three dollars at Harrys.com/NFL. That's Harry's.com slash NFL for a $3 starter set. We continue our look at the national misconceptions about teams that our hosts just don't believe are true. The NFC East always causes juicy headlines. Landon McCool of Locked On Cowboys, David Harrison of Locked On Commanders, Patricia Trayna of Locked On Giants, and Gino Camilleri of Locked On Eagles are here to debunk the national assumptions that they do not agree with. Landon, we will start with you and the Cowboys. Now we take a look at the national storylines of the NFC South. Aaron Freeman of Locked on Falcons, James Yarko of Locked on Bucks, Julian Council of Locked on Panthers, and Ross Jackson from Locked on Saints are with us. Ross, what's a misconception about the Saints?
13: Yeah, I think the, the biggest one here is you heard a lot nationally about Michael Thomas not wanting to be a part of this organization and wanting out of the city of New Orleans. And if you're in the facility and if you're covering this team and if you're, if you're looking at this team and research this team every day and you understand this team, you would know very, very clearly that Michael Thomas absolutely wanted to be back here this season and wanted to be able to make it work. Um, and that nobody wants to be out on the field more than Michael Thomas, right? He's played 10 games over the last three years with a variety of lower of, of foot injuries. Let's just call them an ankle injury on one side and then a foot injury, dislocated toe on the other. There was a whole lot about the disgruntled nature of Michael Thomas and the feud that was going on between him and the organization. And maybe at one point that was a thing, but there was a lot of that conversation going into, this year's, uh, going into this year's season, especially a bunch of why Michael Thomas won't be back in New Orleans this year. And yet here he is on an incentive-heavy contract, ready to go out there and ball out for the New Orleans Saints. And I can tell you that there's nobody that's more excited to be back, that Michael Thomas is back in New Orleans than Michael Thomas himself.
0: James, I'm sure there's a couple directions you could go with this, but what are people saying about the Bucs that you just don't agree with?
14: I think the biggest misperception about the Buccaneers is that Tom Brady was the team, right? Brady walks out the door and now they're, one of the favorites to get the number one pick in next year's draft. They're the favorites to finish last in the NFC South. And you take a look at this roster, Tom Brady wasn't the whole roster. They still have one of the best wide receiver duos in football. They still have one of the best linebacking duos in football. They still have one of the most up-and-coming talented safeties, The one of, if not the best, nose tackle, one of, if not the best, Offensive lineman and Tristan Wirfs, even though he's switching sides, if he's 80% on the left side, what he was on the right, he's a top five left tackle in the NFL. So this team is still absolutely loaded with talent, bringing in a new offensive coordinator that we saw the rejuvenation that he had with Geno Smith, hoping to strike lightning in a bottle with Baker Mayfield. So this team is still loaded with talent from front to back. It's just a matter of putting it all together. And just because Tom Brady walked out the door and behind him went, you know, Leonard Fournette and Rob Gronkowski and, you know, a couple of other pieces, that doesn't mean that this team is void of talent and they're going to be cellar dwellers uh, or that they're going to be in contention for the number one pick.
0: Aaron, what do you feel has been said about the Falcons that you don't agree with or maybe something that you've seen that more people should know about?
8: Well, I think the big talk around the Falcons is that Desmond Ritter is not a good quarterback. And that's been the big doubt uh, surrounding this Falcon team. In, in fact, in recent weeks, you know, Desmond Ritter's spoken about the sort of doubters and having that sort of chip on your shoulder that you need to be motivated to prove those doubters wrong. And, you know, it's not to say that Desmond Ritter is going to be the greatest quarterback in the league and he's going to be challenging Patrick Mahomes for MVP honors or anything like that. But, you know, He just has to be an above-average quarterback, right? Slightly above-average quarterback because apparently the best quarterback in the NFC South, at least according to this panel, is Derek Carr, and he's a slightly above-average quarterback. And I think Desmond Ritter is more than capable of reaching that so high benchmark of just being like a 6 out of 10 quarterback. And I think that's all he needs to be for the Falcons to be very successful this year. And I certainly think the way that people talk about him is like he's like a 2 out of 10 quarterback, and there's a lot of question marks surrounding him. And I, I just think... Once we get him on the field, we'll, we'll see that, you know, he's more than competent.
0: Julian, you got a new coach, new quarterback, a lot of changes going on in Carolina. What's something people need to know about the team that maybe they don't know or has been misconstrued?
3: Well, I don't get a lot
15: of national media attention aside from the Panthers getting. Maybe that's the point. What should people know? <laughs> what should they know about this team? I th- I think the defense will be interesting this year. You bring in Jero Avero as a DC. He was in Denver last year, first year as a coordinator like ever at this level. And he had a top 10 defense in a lot of categories the last season. I think this defense can be pretty good. Derek Brown set a franchise record last year and tackles by a defensive tackle. He's someone who the Panthers just invested in by picking up his fifth year option. I think the guy can be a star. You bring in shy Tuttle, who's a solid player in new Orleans to be right next to him. It's a North Carolina guy back home. And they brought in some other veterans behind those guys. I feel like far, as far as the three, four scheme can go, like they can be fine there. Shaq Thompson, Frankie Louvu are pretty underrated pair. Like, I don't think they're Pro Bowl caliber guys, but man, Louvre was flying all over the field. When you bring in Deion Jones, who's had some pretty good seasons in this, in the NFL as a backup to them, that gives you some depth in the inside linebacker. Then the secondary kind of fell apart late in the season because Dante Jackson, JC Horn, both struggle with injuries, but those guys are healthy. This can be a really good group. When you bring in Vaughn Bell, who was excellent the last couple of years in Cincinnati has been to a Super Bowl, played an AFC title game not too long ago. I think Xavier Woods, pretty underrated guy, who played every snap in Minneapolis with the Minnesota Vikings a couple of years ago, came in started for last this last, past season for the Panthers. He's back there, and bringing in Belt has allowed Jeremy Chin, who has mm. been an excellent playmaker, really struggled uh, with injuries last year with a hamstring, missed six games. He's not going to be able to play more of a hybrid like nickel linebacker kind of role, even kind of play corner as well. So. I think that defense is something that's really underrated. I think they can be really good in this scheme when it's all said and done.
0: Let's continue to get more local insight from Jeff Lloyd from Locked On Browns, Jake Liskow from Locked On Bengals, Chris Carter from Locked On Steelers, and Kevin Ostreicher from Locked On Ravens. Kevin, we will start with you. What's a national misconception or something that you've heard about the Ravens that you don't agree with?
16: The thing people say about the Ravens isn't true, I will say, is that Lamar Jackson, one, is injury prone, and two, got his injuries because of his play style. I think when looking at what, what has happened to Lamar in the past two seasons, yes, he has gotten injured. He has missed the back half of the season the past two years. What happened on those plays, obviously, the first one, Jeff, you know, was against Cleveland where he got rolled up on when running out of the pocket to escape pressure to throw the football. And it, it was just a freak play, you know, no no ill will by anybody there. The second one, Lamar Jackson got sacked while throwing the ball in the pocket and he got rolled up on the knee injury was a concern and he wasn't able to make it back last season for Lamar. I think if there's a third straight year with an injury, then maybe we can start, start to have those conversations, but the, the fact that people are labeling him as injury pro now and saying, well, he's never going to finish a full season and all that. Injuries happen all the time. Tackles happen. Players can be out for a season based off of one snap, one play, one hit. So it's unfortunate that this happens to Lamar in back-to-back seasons. It's, it's really hurt the Ravens' chances to compete, frankly. And I think that that's something that people kind of are talking about right now, which is, well, if only Lamar can stay healthy. That, that's a, It's a question. You know, Can he stay healthy this season? But I don't think it's necessarily fair to place the injury-prone label on him yet. Again, maybe if something happens, we can have another conversation about it. But for now, I'm staying away from that tag for him. Jeff, what's something
0: you've heard reported about the Browns that you don't feel is fair or isn't true?
17: Well, you know, I I go on other shows. I do this type of stuff. And then, you know, they bring up, obviously, the blurbs from, you know, one website or another. The Cleveland Browns have had a phenomenal offseason, and they go through the litany of all the great things that this team has done. But it's the Browns. No, stop. this is not what we, that is not analysis. I mean, anybody can do this. And that's fan stuff. That's not what we're here to do. This team on paper looks dang good. You can't believe that, you know, somebody's got a voodoo doll or there's a Kevorkian hex or any of that stuff. We take it where we're at here. This team looks really, really good. If it happens, and there's a Kevorkian X, and there's a black cloud, that's another story. But you can't just say, oh, because it always happens that way, or it doesn't work out. That's not analysis. That's what the fans do. That's what social media is for. This team is locked and loaded. Offensive line, still one of the best in the game. Skill positions, besides running back two, um, and a rookie they have a lot of faith in who's currently out with a hamstring injury, I don't really have any questions about their skill. And it's really, really hard to say, oh, well, I have problems with the defense when you added two veteran defensive tackles, two veteran defensive ends, two veteran safeties, drafted more at each and every positional unit. And through two preseason games, I have not seen my linebackers get touched. I'm not used to that because here they are against the Atlanta Falcons of the world, nine yards down the field with an interior lineman, burying him into the ground. This team is vastly improved, and we can't just go the fan route of it doesn't work out there, so it's not going to work out there. Same things used to be said about the Cincinnati Bengals, who just went to a Super Bowl and then
18: to an AFC championship game.
0: Chris, what are people saying about the Steelers right now that you don't agree with?
18: nationally, I think there's a misconception about how good Kenny Pickett is. I think that there's a lot of people that just read box scores and say, oh, he threw lots of interceptions and don't uh, didn't actually watch any actual tape of them, especially in how he finished the season. I also think that there's a misconception about how the Steelers' offense worked last year. They intentionally wanted to just protect themselves from having too many turnovers because they knew their best chances of winning last year, whereas they possessed the football on offense, and they won with their defense. This year, the offense is going to open up. I think you're going to see Kenny Pickett with them with more liberty to throw the ball downfield. We've already seen that in, in the first preseason game the Steelers had. We also, I think, have seen that all throughout training camp. So I think this Steelers offense, it's not going to be elite or anything like that. I'm not saying it's going to take a jump into the top ten but I really could see them going from averaging 18 points a game to maybe 22, 23 points a game, and if they do that, they're in the middle of the pack of of the NFL, and as long as their defense is still elite, which I think it will be so long as T.J. Watt is healthy, that makes them one of the better contenders. Uh, That's what I think gets them in the playoffs, but it all comes from Kenny Pickett, being being a better quarterback than i think a lot of people are giving him credit for simply because they looked at box scores and they said oh he has more receptions uh at this point but only i think what one of them came in the second half of the season I, he grew a lot last year and he's grown a lot over this offseason.
0: jake is there anything frustrating you're hearing about the bengals right now that you want to clear up
18: It's
19: not so bad i think that the note about safeties is a little bit overblown i'm not really going to give too much time to the idea that the bengals might not pay joe burrow i think we're past that point or the idea that joe burrow's calf injuries more than the bengals are letting on i think we're past that point as well so i'll go back to the safeties and say that daxel and nick scott have a lot going for them i think daxel a very versatile piece for this defense who in his first preseason game played a little bit one of the only starters that played made a great play from the post-safety spot to break up a deep ball intended for Christian Watson down the left sideline from Jordan Love. So starter on starter play there, and that's the kind of flash you're hoping to see from him. And the thing that really I question is, will they have the communication figured out? I think you will see more three safety looks from the Bengals this year. They also love Jordan Battle and the football IQ he brings to the field as a third-round pick out of Alabama, where he started early for Nick Saban and did a lot in that defense. But – Vaughn Bell and Jesse Bates on the back end of that Bengals defense did a lot of communicating that helped a lot. The Bengals have continuity elsewhere, and so that should offset that loss. And I think the skill level isn't too far off what it was, but Jesse Bates is clearly a top player in the NFL. The only other point there is that safeties often just don't impact football games as much as you would think. Mm -hmm. I talked to a coach who said in doing some off-season scouting – they didn't see the safety they were scouted, scouting targeted once or involved in a single play in that entire game, which tells you a little bit of something about how some NFL teams may value the position. That said, maybe a little drop-off. I don't see that being a world-ender for the Bengals' defense this year.
0: Coming up, our hosts continue to debunk national misconceptions, including some that have to clear up what's being done with their QB who's coming off a very bad year. That's next on the Locked On Ultimate NFL Preview. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a draft or scouting the waiver wire every week, you're going to provide your players, and they have a guaranteed fit on your roster. So with what draft prep underway for the upcoming season, let's see who Vinny has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Looking for a player to take in fantasy football drafts who will spark his new team's offense and also help you speed to victory? then use a luxury pick on Giants tight end Darren Waller. The former Raider is already riding in style with Daniel Jones, locked into him all throughout training camp and the preseason. The connection is strong enough already to believe that Waller will go back to being a reliable cog at that position. Grab him after the top few tight ends are off the board. Vinny Iyer for Locked on Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. With eBay Guaranteed Fit and over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle right at your fingertips, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly all summer. Air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shocks, and struts, you name it, eBay Motors has it. And they'll make sure it's the right fit for your car because eBay Guaranteed Fit helps you understand exactly what part you need for your vehicle the first time. So go forth, switch gears, crank the AC, and say goodbye to sweating if your ride needs a little fixing up. Because you know you'll always be set up for success from the get-go. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, everything your vehicle is calling for is just a click away. For the parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look for the green check. Get the parts that fit the right fit and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, and exclusions do apply. We continue our look at the national misconceptions about teams that our hosts just don't believe are true. There are many ways that this one could go in the NFC West. Doug McCain of Locked On Rams, Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks, Brian Peacock from Locked On 49ers, and Alex Clancy from Locked On Cardinals are here to break down the NFC West. Doug, we will start with you and a big misconception for the Rams.
20: Oh, I love this one. Look, first, it has to be 100%. The Rams are not tanking, okay? The Rams are not tanking for Caleb Williams. This is a Rams team that's going to go out there and they're going to try to compete with the talent that they have. They win eight or nine games great. If they don't, they get a high draft pick. They'll live with that. But really, they had to incur that cap pain this year, have a little reset, really just transition into the next era of Rams football. But they are not tanking. I mean, look, you don't tank. I mean, this is the National Football League. If you tank, you're going to get investigated. You're going to go to jail. And with a head coach like Sean McVay that's so competitive and so hungry to win with this core of guys, they're not trying to lose games. And I think on top of that, just a sneak one more in there, is they're not trying to trade Matthew Stafford as well because of those cap implications that I mentioned earlier. I mean, even if you cut him after next season, you would have a dead cap hit of $91.5 So that's not happening. So they're not tanking for Caleb Williams. They're not trading Matthew Stafford. They're just trying to get to next season.
0: Corbin, what's a misconception about the Seahawks right now?
21: Well, this would be an accurate conception any other year under Pete Carroll, but there's an assumption out there nationally that the offensive line is going to be one of the worst in the NFL, and I am here to tell you right now that I think that that is going to be arguably the most improved position group on any team in the NFL. You've got two guys at the tackle positions in Charles Cross, and Abraham Lucas, who were pretty solid as rookies last year, both starting together, They have both taken a big leap, seeing them on the practice field. I think you're going to see those two emerge as Pro Bowl-caliber players, maybe in the case of Cross, an all-Pro-caliber player within the next couple of years. And then the inside, they don't have Austin Blythe playing center anymore. It looks like Evan Brown's going to be the guy. He's been really impressive, and he can actually run block, which is going to be huge in this offense. They love Phil Haynes at right guard, Damian Lewis at left guard. I think the interior of the line is where they've improved the most. And I think that this offense has a chance to be a top three offense with all the skill players that they have, Geno Smith, and now much better pass protection and run blocking with this up-and-coming
22: offensive line.
0: Alex, I'm sure you have more than a few things that you could say, but what's one thing that is an assumption about your team that's wrong?
22: That if the Cardinals get the number one overall pick that they need to move on from Kyler Murray. Let's paint a picture here. The head coach of the Arizona Cardinals last four seasons was never a winning coach on any level. He was gifted a head coaching job because he wanted to coach Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray has been held back by said coach who would never want anything anywhere for the last four seasons. This year, he'll be back in the middle of the season. They're going to be a bad team. If the Cardinals trade out of the first overall pick and say they get the first overall pick or the Houston Texans do, that will garner them at least three first round picks and probably the biggest bundle of picks and players we've ever seen for a first round pick ever. So when the Cardinals have so much to build, with this new roster, this new Arizona Cardinals 2.0, as I've called it, getting that many picks while having a franchise quarterback could bear big, greater fruits than drafting Caleb Williams. Spencer Rattler was supposed to be the number one pick two years ago. We have no idea if Caleb Williams is going to be the best quarterback coming out of college this year. So the the misconception that Kyler Murray needs to get moved on from if the Cardinals get the number one overall pick is asinine. It just truly is, because we have no idea what these college players are going to be coming out, and we don't really know what Kyler Murray's going to be until he's back fully healthy, which could be towards the tail end of this season that's going to be a lost one.
0: Brian, where do you weigh in? What's something about San Fran you want to clear up?
23: Well, I know there's a misconception about the 49ers and the talent they have at QB1, but after, you know... Some of the other answers that we've had here with the, with my esteemed co-host on the locked on podcast network in the NFC West. I think the disrespect is even bigger than I thought. And maybe we should, uh, should clip some of the answers from previous questions about who is the best quarterback in the division for undefeated quarterback Brock Purdy, as uh, Steve Young called it. And Corbin, I think you'll appreciate this judging by your, your background there behind you. Steve Young said that Brock Purdy has the force. He's got an it quality that you can't coach. It's something special that he has as a, facilit- a, facilit- a facilitator, as a point guard. I'm not going to say he's uh, the Bay Area's next Steph Curry, but you know, underappreciated because of his stature, because of where he was drafted. There, there was a special ability that he has, as Kyle Shanahan calls him, the real deal. So Brock Purdy is a legit NFL quarterback, and uh, teams that uh, disrespect him or, or don't give him the respect that, that he deserves, I think, before the 49ers play them, I think they're going to realize that that uh, he's going to be a guy that's going to hurt some people.
0: Our local insiders cover these teams every day, and sometimes the national perspective doesn't line up with the local perspective. John Hickman of Locked On Texans, Zach Hicks of Locked On Colts, Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans, and Tony Wiggins from Locked On Jags weigh in. Zach, we will start with you. What's something that you've heard about the Colts that you don't agree with?
24: Yeah, I think obviously we have to go with the biggest storyline, which is Colts quarterback, Anthony Richardson. And I think Indianapolis Colts quarterback, uh, Anthony Richardson, is not as far away as a lot of people are saying. I know this has kind of eased up uh, in recent months ever since the Colts acquired him. And people realize that him and Shane Steichen are a really good pair together. Uh, But, you know, there was a lot of talk in the draft process. You know, oh, this quarterback's a three to four year prospect. You know, this is a guy where it's going to take him years and years before he's an NFL caliber quarterback. But that's just not the case. I mean, you could look at him in college, and yes, the completion percentage was not great. Yes, there were some things he had to work through. But we were talking about a 20-year-old quarterback starting in the SEC, uh, starting an offense that lost a lot of talent. And he did a lot of really good things. The flashes were there, and the rushing ability was there. And that's the thing that we really are seeing with a lot of young quarterbacks nowadays is if you have that rushing ability to lean on, your development just speeds up and speeds up and speeds up. We've seen it with Jalen Hurts. We've seen it with Justin Fields now is is being able to run the ball super well. Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, these quarterbacks are coming into the league. And yes, they're having their struggles early. But they're not these four-year prospects, these four-year projects where they are not able to see the field until year two or year three. These guys are getting on the field early. They're working through those warts, and they're becoming franchise quarterbacks sooner than later. And I think Anthony Richardson falls into that same category. I do think it's going to take time. It's not going to be from day one, but I do think the Colts are going to get him out there week one. He's going to play throughout this entire season. He's going to have his warts but he's going to show that he's not this two- to three-year project where you can't even play him those first couple seasons. Anthony Richardson is ready for the spotlight. It's going to be brutal at times, but I really do think the future is great with Anthony Richardson as the Colts quarterback.
0: John, what's something that you've heard about the Texans lately that you don't agree with?
25: That C.J. Stroud is losing the battle to Davis Mills, and I would say that that is a national assumption right now simply because the guys that are saying it have these stamps behind them. So you got Colin Cowher, who said that he believed that C.J. is going to be the worst out of the out of the class. He has FS1 a stamper behind him. Eric Mangini is backed by the NFL being a former head coach, and that is simply not the case. How are we judging a quarterback on two drives and four attempts? That doesn't make any sense. And what we are seeing from C.J. Stroud in practice compared to what we've seen from David Smills, you guys may have had an opportunity to see that because he played a half and some change, but C.J. is the better quarterback. He, he didn't get the opportunities to show what he can do because of the limitations that the uh, team put on him. And by the way, Laramie and Titus Howard was out. And so he's working with an offensive line, two, two best guys out, rookie, quarterback, rookie uh, center and a sophomore left guard that's still trying to work his way back. CJ is the better quarterback on this team. He will prove to be the better quarterback on this team. Davis Mills is a very good backup, and I think that's going to be his career unless some team comes calling and he gets a shot to be like Nick Foles or something like that. But overall, let's pump the brakes on that narrative that the national media is pushing. And by the way, they're not around this team like we, your team every day. We're around this team every day. We're seeing it, guys. CJ is your QB1, no doubt about it.
0: Tyler, what, what is it about the Titans that you want to clear up now that you have the stage?
25: Every single year,
26: it feels like for the last few years, we've done the thing. Oh, this is the end of Derrick Henry. He's about to turn 30. He's had so many carries, so much tread on the tires. This is the year that Derrick Henry finally falls off. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the king will continue to reign. Derrick Henry last year had more rushing yards Than Nick Chubb with 1,538. Derrick Henry had more receiving yards than Saquon Barkley. But Derrick Henry's a one-dimensional back in this and that. Derrick Henry set career highs in catches and receiving yards last year. He went over 1,500 yards, over double-digit touchdowns. And he did it while the Titans had one of the worst offensive lines in the entire NFL in multiple games. They had a quarterback out there who literally couldn't play the position in Malik Willis as a rookie or in Josh Dobbs. So you add in that the Titans are going to have their starting quarterback, hopefully for the entire season. They're going to have an improved offensive line that has the ability to stay healthier and is just better talent-wise than at the start of the year last year. There is no way that Derrick Henry is in for some major regression. The one year of his career that he got hurt, he still went for over 900 yards in that. He was on pace to go close to 2,000 again. I think that Henry is closer to 2,000 this year than he is 1,500. I think he's somewhere past 1,750. He gets around 1,800 yards, goes for over double-digit touchdowns, continues to improve as a pass catcher. I think with the addition of Tajay Spears, he doesn't get quite to the catches and receiving yards that he had last year but it will allow him to be healthier and fresher in the back end of the season. It'll be de once again when it gets cold. Derrick Henry's yards per carry will go back up to around five yards per carry that we saw from him in 19 and 20. I think uh, people casting doubt on the King and whether Derrick Henry will finally fall off will be mistaken once again, and, and Derrick Henry will be the best running back in the NFL, as he has been every single year since 2019 other than the year that he got injured and when he played, he was the best running back in the league then too. So uh, I think that Derrick Henry is still the best running back in the NFL. And even as he approaches 30, which he'll turn in January, he will still be that this season. Tony, what's something you want to clear up about the Jacksonville Jaguars that you think needs to be said?
27: I want to clear up the fact that there are a lot of people that believe Trevor Lawrence is almost elite and he is going to take that step this year. I want to tell him he's already there. And um, he is already uh, in in the elite company of of the top quarterbacks in the league. If if they go to like six or seven, he should be there. He should not be in anybody's eight, nine, or ten. And then I even saw a list once this week where he wasn't even in the top ten, and I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. But imagine this. Everyone already knows that his rookie year wasn't really a great rookie year because of the clown show that they had going on with the coaching staff. So if, if people say, okay, that rookie year sort is sort of a mulligan, and I even did a podcast uh, with someone that they said, well, let's just take that out. And I said, no, I don't want to take it out. I want it to be a part of his growth because I want everyone to remember where he came from. But if you look at last year as kind of his rookie year almost, well, the guy had 25 touchdowns and eight picks. We can talk about how many drop picks he threw all. He only threw eight. And I know for a fact that two of them were tip balls and one of them was a Hail Mary. So he threw five It with 25 touchdowns with 68% completion percentage in his second year that a lot of us say, well, that's kind of like his first year. They ought to be starting to make a bust in Canton if you look back to guys over the years statistically and where they were in year two other than Dan Marino. Don't worry, I'll wait. I'm telling you, he is already there. It, what people saw in the first half against the Chargers He's not going to do that very often, if at all. He's going to do more of what you saw in the second half, and that is score touchdowns and win football games.
0: Now we turn to our national hosts, Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs, from Locked On NFL Scouting to break down the misconceptions around the NFL that they disagree with the most.
2: Well, Kyle, I think there's a number of directions that you can go with this, but the thing that stands out most in my mind is the AFC North. And we know the Cincinnati Bengals are a really, really good football team. And I expect them to challenge for the number one seed in the AFC. But what I don't think is true is that it's a lock that they win this division. I think there are some really strong contenders really from all three teams that are perceived to be below them, whether that's the Pittsburgh Steelers, who things are looking pretty good with Kenny Pickett. there taking over this offense. They've added some talent on the offensive line and to their defense. Mike Tomlin, he gets out of bed with nine wins. You know what I mean? Like you start stacking some wins. You start to grow as an offense. I really like what they can can accomplish this year. I think the Baltimore Ravens every single year are scary. Lamar Jackson, NFL MVP, new offense in place there for them to take over. Uh, The second season there with their new defensive coordinator, I think things are going to gel a little bit more. Obviously for them it's about staying healthy. And then you still have the Cleveland Browns, and I think that's the team that might be being slept on a little bit. God, we spent the summer really evaluating the rosters on the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast, and we came away quite, quite uh, thinking highly of the Cleveland Browns and what they have to offer. It's all about Deshaun Watson and him kind of rediscovering himself as a football player. I know that the six-game sample size last year was rough, but we know what this guy's capable of. If he finds this game, that team – top to bottom might be the most talented in the division. And so I think the Bengals got a real shot to win the AFC North again and, and challenge to win the AFC, but don't sleep on the rest of the AFC North. I think it's going to be really competitive. I think there's teams underneath them that can knock them off. Would you Would you agree that it's fair to say they are the team with the least
1: questions, though?
2: Cincy, well, I think yeah. it's hard to sustain success, so there's that. But, I mean, Joe Burrow, once again, beginning of the season, he's injured. They got a tough schedule. Obviously playing within their division, they got to handle their business there. They got a new secondary in a lot of spots. We'll see. Some new pieces on the O-line that's got to come together. We'll see. Okay, I tried tried to
1: give give you the off ramp and you said no thank you for just acknowledging least questions. I I think they do have the least questions, but I agree with you that that is probably the best division in football. Oh, yeah. Now, my question is on the NFC side of things in the NFC North. The biggest assumption that I have is that the Detroit Lions off of the foundation that they built last year are the favorites to win this division. And specifically that the Green Bay Packers in the first year without Aaron Rodgers, are going to be facing this difficult transitional year. I think the kind of football that Green Bay is going to play this year is probably better aligned with what their talent has been around Aaron Rodgers as of The post-Devante Adams trade, where you have A.J. Dillon and you have Aaron Jones and you have the ability to run the football and play defense, but yet you had Aaron Rodgers. I think Jordan Love's insertion into the lineup means this is going to be a more complementary football team this year, and they have a lot of young pieces on the defensive side of the ball, but they also have a lot of young players in the passing game. So I think Green Bay, the more I watch them play, I think the style of play – is going to be a departure of what we're used to seeing from the Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers. But I think Green Bay is absolutely going to give Detroit a run for this division, the AFC, the NFC North. And I would not be surprised at all if we get to the end of the road and Green Bay is the team that actually wins this division and makes the playoffs from the NFC North. So uh, my assumption is that minus Aaron Rodgers, is a bad thing for Green Bay because lest we forget, Green Bay finished with a losing record last year with Aaron Rodgers. And sometimes it's not about how talented you are. It's about the chemistry of your football team. And I think Green Bay was ready for this change.
0: That's it for our conversation on the biggest misconceptions about every NFL team. This is just one of seven episodes for the Locked On Ultimate NFL Preview. Head to Locked On NFL on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts from for our other conversations, including who finishes last in each division, which QB is the best, and what were the biggest moves made in the offseason. Don't forget to follow and subscribe your favorite local Locked On show for the best insight on your team every day.